Welcome to the October 24th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 19, verses 17 through 30, and the sermon is entitled, Paid in Full, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Today, if you are a person who has never received Jesus as your Savior, God has you here this moment for this sermon to hear what Jesus did for you. I want you to hear these words as God gives them to me and as he has laid them on my heart and I've prayed about them all week. We stand at sermon number 60 as we're going through the entirety of the book of John, the gospel of John. And I can finally say here today, after 59 sermons, sermon number 60, here we are at the centerpiece of the gospel of John. And here we are at the centerpiece of all of the message of the Bible. It culminates right here with the scripture that we are going to study and ask the Lord to lead us in today. Three days that changed human history. Three days that allowed us to be forgiven, saved, and have a home in heaven through what Jesus Christ did for us Sin was no longer simply covered up by ritual, but now with this sermon you will see that sin has been exposed and expunged from the record of every believer's life. He forgives us. He gives us freedom. He doesn't just put a band-aid, a covering over our sin, but he removes it from us because of what Jesus did for us as we study it this day. We're at the point in the Bible where we see all of the law and all of the prophecies of God culminate right here in this place, fulfilled. We see the final act of the entire sacrificial system of the Old Testament in this sermon today, in this scripture today. It's so very important. We're at the point of the Bible where today we stand at the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bible and turn it with me to John chapter 19, the Gospel of John chapter 19. As you get your place in the Word today, I want to remind you that last week as we studied John chapter 19, we saw the Roman governor Pilate deal with Jesus. And the world would say that Pilate sentenced Jesus to the old rugged cross, but the truth is Jesus dealt with Pilate that day. The truth came to Pilate's life that this indeed is the Son of God. John chapter 19 verse 16 says this. John 19 16 says this. Then delivered he him, Pilate delivered Jesus, then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Well, as we see that verse, while Pilate did indeed declare the cross as a sentencing upon Jesus, as the Lord Jesus walked away, Pilate was beaten. Pilate was humiliated because he realized in that moment that he had a personal confession about who this man was, that he was innocent, that he did not deserve punishment, that he certainly didn't deserve the death of a cross, and yet the crowd won. The crowd had pushed him into that decision. And their chanting and their screams and their calls to crucify him won out so that Jesus was going to the cross 
because of the crowd calling to Pilate. Now, of course, ultimately Jesus chose the cross. No man, no government sent Jesus to the cross. But in an earthly sense, Pilate is the one who sentenced Jesus to the cross, knowing fully well he never should have done so. So today we witness the central scene of the Bible. Listen, this is the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. This is the sacrifice that pays our sin in full. This is the sacrifice that was made on behalf of every human being who ever lived from Adam and Eve to the last person who will live in the history of this earth. This sacrifice atones for our sin. The Lamb of God who died on the cross of Calvary. As we witness this, as we see the surrender of Jesus to the cross on my behalf and yours, let's read this scripture today. John chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 17 through 30. Hear these words from the gospel writer John, inspired by the very Spirit of God. These words are without error. These words have no mistake in them. Every word is coming from the heart of and the Spirit of God through the disciple John. John 8, 19, begin with verse 17. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two other with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top, throughout they said therefore among themselves let us not rend it but cast lots for it whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled which saith they parted my garment my raiment among them and for my vesture they did cast lots these things therefore the soldiers did now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, 
I thirst. Now there was a set of vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. How can we not be stirred even to tears by that passage of Scripture? Knowing what Jesus did for us. You know, John really gives a very brief account of the crucifixion as I just read it from Holy Scripture. And I believe that John painted a very simple black and white sort of picture of Jesus and the cross so we could see the starkness and the cruelty but also the glory of what Jesus did for us as he suffered the cross. As we see these words, we know that God blesses us to hear them because they apply to every one of us. John 19, 17, John says Jesus bore his cross to that place called Golgotha. It was very customary for the condemned criminal to have to carry the cross beam of his cross on his shoulders going from one place to the grounds of death at Golgotha. The condemned criminal was forced to carry his own instrument of torture and death to the place of death. An ancient philosopher whose name was Cicero wrote that death on a cross was the most shameful, humiliating, and painful death of all punishments. And the shame began about a mile before you got to Golgotha. As a criminal left the hall of judgment of the Roman center of government in Jerusalem, it was about a mile to Golgotha. And so that crossbeam was laid on the shoulders of the criminal so that he would carry that cross all the way of that mile to the place where he would die on it in the grounds of Golgotha. The shame began about a mile from the death arena. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that Jesus' burden of the cross was relieved by a man whose name was Simon of Cyrene. The reason for that being that the scourging and the extreme punishment that Jesus had already been through had weakened him. We know that this indeed is the Son of God, but we know that the Son of God laid aside his glory and laid aside his strength and became not only the Son of God but also the Son of Man so that he felt the pain of the cross, and he felt the weakness of the lashings and all that he'd been through so that he was too weak to be able to bear the cross beam. And so Simon of Cyrene was pulled out of the crowd to take that burden off of his shoulders and bear it for him. Can you imagine how Simon felt for the rest of his life? That he had borne the cross for the Savior. The word Golgotha means the place of the skull. A skull has always throughout humanity meant death. The place of the skull, Golgotha, was a place where criminals died. No one was punished at Golgotha and survived it. Everyone died there who was punished there. To further Jesus' shame, he was placed between two criminals. These men were rightly dying for their crimes, and an innocent man was placed between them. But Jesus' death fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 
chapter 53, verse 12, that says he was numbered with the transgressors. He died between two men who deserved to die. Luke tells us that one of those men was saved that day. And if you remember Jesus' words to that criminal who came to him as Lord and Savior, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. That truth still bears true today. For every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we close our eyes in death on this side, when we open them in the next millisecond, we're going to be with the Savior in paradise. There is no such thing as a purgatory where we float around in gray matter until Jesus culminates history. The moment we pass, we are with him. Praise God. We are with him. Today, you will be with me. John 19, verse 19 says that Pilate wrote a title, putting it on a placard that was placed at the top of the cross. And it said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. It was written in three languages, Hebrew and Greek and Latin. In Hebrew, so that every Jew who had come to Jerusalem for Passover could read it. It was written in Greek and Latin so that every Gentile of the world who came to Jerusalem celebrating Passover could read it. And so everyone who saw that cross that day saw the king on the cross and read the title on the placard that was over his head. The Jewish chief priests protested Pilate's placard. They said, you should not put that he is the king of the Jews, but rather right on the placard, he said, I am king of the Jews. But Pilate flatly refused that change of the wording for two reasons. Number one, he would not change the fact that this is the king of the Jews placed on that cross because he knew that those priests and those Pharisees hated Jesus and envied Jesus and they wanted him dead. And he placed that placard up there, first of all, to embarrass them that they had sent this innocent man to an old rugged cross. They had forced Pilate to kill Jesus, and this was his punishment on their smug righteousness that they hated Jesus so much that they would send him to die. And the second reason that Pilate would not change the wording on that placard is because he knew in his own heart this man was innocent. And he knew he was guiltless and he knew that there was something special about him. And I truly believe throughout the time that Pilate related to Jesus on that trial that night before the cross that God was knocking on the recesses of Pilate's heart, impressing on him that this is my son. And Pilate was filled with guilt that he had sent the king to the cross. And he would not change the wording because he himself believed that he was a king. Whether he's saved or not, I cannot tell you, but he knew he was the king. Even his wife sent a message and said, don't kill this man. He is innocent. God has spoken to me. Don't send him to the cross. And so in his guilt, Pilate would not change the wording. Here's another fact about the crucifixion. The shame of the criminal is multiplied in that this is the most public execution of all. 
In our modern society, when executions, which are now getting very far between, are taking place, they are hidden in a room far away that no one can see in most cases, and yet the shame of the criminal is put out for all of the public to see in crucifixion. Men and women and children were invited to watch these condemned men writhe in agony and pain as they face the death of a cross, dying minute by minute. Women were never crucified. Crucifixion was reserved only for men. But men of the worst nature died on crosses. And that man was nearly or completely naked as he was exposed to all who would come to see his crucifixion. Totally humiliating, totally shameful. It's part of the process of dying by Roman crucifixion. Sadly, it seems that human beings are drawn to grim scenes. It's certainly true even in our age when a, a new horror movie comes out. The crowds fill up theaters to see the horror movie that's just been created. That's not for me. I, I hate those things. But many, many people love to watch them. People are drawn to grim scenes. People in Jerusalem from all over the world were there for Passover. Remember, this is one of the moments that Jerusalem was packed with people, much, much more so than on a normal day. Coming for Passover, the primary holy day of the nation of Israel. People have packed out the city, and so the grounds of Golgotha were more than filled with people. Hundreds of people watching the crucifixion of these poor and dying men. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses to testify that Jesus himself died on the old rugged cross. Very common to Golgotha were the soldiers who oversaw the process of crucifixion. They were the ones who walked behind or even put a whip to those condemned criminals who were carrying their crossbeam that mile to Golgotha, pushing them on in further humiliation and stress just to carry the crossbeam and to get it to the death grounds. Those soldiers were the ones who mounted the guilty to their own crosses. Those soldiers stayed out there to, to wait out and to confirm the process of death on those crosses at Golgotha. Sometimes they had to act to hasten and quicken the death because of a deadline that was coming, so they would break the legs of the criminals so they could no longer breathe on the cross and they would die by asphyxiation very quickly. We know that happens at the end of the process of those criminals dying by Jesus. But after getting the criminal mounted and fixed on the cross, they largely gathered at the foot of the cross. These soldiers played a waiting game, just waiting for these men to die. They had not much else to do except to wait to confirm that this man had died on the cross of punishment. Crucifixion normally took many hours. Sometimes it took days. And the soldiers could not leave their post. Jesus passed in six hours. A relatively short time for crucifixion, and yet he chose the moment he was to die. After getting the criminal mounted and fixed on the cross as they played their waiting games, the screams and the agony of these criminals as they sat at the foot of the cross were just commonplace. Now, they were so callous to it, they didn't even hear it anymore. 
Crucifixion was just the, the nature of the day. All of the agony that played out was just something that they had learned to ignore and turn off the switch and not hear anymore. And so it was very often that they would play games at the very foot of the crosses of these men to bide out the time waiting for death. One perk of the job is that the soldiers could have the meager belongings of the criminals. The criminal would not need any possessions any longer because he was not going to walk away from those grounds. So the soldiers got to keep whatever those criminals had. As Jesus came to the cross, he had very little. The clothes on his back was what he brought to the cross. As this man in the middle, Jesus, had very precious little clothing, the evidence of John is that there are four soldiers here, and each soldier got a piece of his clothing. One got his headdress, one got his sandals, one got his outer robe, and one of them got his belt. Every soldier got something. But there was a fifth piece of clothing left over. It was his inner robe, his inner clothing. Now, John doesn't tell us this, but often that robe, that inner robe was a gift from someone who loved you. Often a mother would make that inner robe for her child and give it to him or to her as a gift of love. Usually moms gave those gifts to their boys. And perhaps that inner robe, it doesn't tell us, we'll learn in heaven, but perhaps that robe came from Mary, his mother. But Society considered it a very important piece of clothing, and so these soldiers didn't want to ruin it. They didn't want to tear it into four parts and distribute it among themselves. They wanted the entire robe. So rather than ruin it, the soldiers throw dice, and they gamble for which one of them is going to win it. Their actions fulfilled a prophecy. If you want to write this down, it's Psalm 22, verse 18. Psalm 22, verse 18, and it says this. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Hundreds and hundreds of years before the cross, God prophesied through the psalmist that they're going to gamble away some of Jesus' clothing. So these soldiers played a game while the Savior of the world died there. And what you cannot forget is they played a game while he died for them personally. He was bearing the cost and the price of those soldiers' sin on the old rugged cross while they played a game, ignoring who he is. That's sad. But listen, too many people today play games around the foot of the cross ignoring who Jesus is, ignoring that he is the Savior of the world, ignoring the fact that he is calling them as his own son or daughter. They ignore the call over and over again. The Lord who shed his own blood that they might be forgiven, and they're completely oblivious to it. And they don't want to hear it. How sad for people who don't want to hear the good news that Jesus gave his life for them. There are so many, though, who are thirsty to hear it. And so many who need to hear it. I praise God that this very moment 
is being broadcast to the entire world so that the world might hear that Jesus Christ gave himself that anyone of any nation, of any shade of skin, doesn't matter, male, female, rich or poor, slave or free, any person may be saved coming to him because of the old rugged cross. Praise God for that. Praise God. John 19, 25 and 26. John lists four women and one man who are so bold to stand close to Jesus while he's on the cross. In love, in encouragement, and in sheer courage, these people belonging to Jesus stood close to the cross. Jesus' own mother, Mary, was there. Can you imagine that? I grew up with a mom who said, the saddest fact in all of life is when a parent has to bury their child. I've heard her say it many, many, many times. And here is Mary standing at the foot of the cross watching her very son die, knowing before he was born that he was the son of God, watching him die. I want you to remember in Luke chapter 2, when Joseph and Mary dedicate that little infant Jesus at the temple, an old, wise prophet whose name was Simeon took that little guy in his arms and he proclaimed him as Savior and Lord and he blessed Joseph and Mary as the parents of this little one. But I want you to remember this. When Simeon had finished his blessing on Jesus and finished his blessing on Joseph and Mary, he looks Mary directly in the eye. It's as if to say, I'm going to say something to you because when this takes place, Joseph is not going to be by your side. We know that Joseph was living when Jesus was 12 years old at the temple, but he disappears from Scripture after that. We don't know when he passes, but it's pretty obvious that he leaves the scene before these days. And so Simeon turns his eyes to Mary and Mary alone. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 35, the old prophet Simeon says to Mary, a sword will pierce your soul. And at this moment at the cross, Mary understands what he meant. Thirty-three years earlier, she carried those words in her mind and in her heart all of those years, and at this moment, she knew what Simeon meant sword will pierce your soul as you watch your son die for the sin of the world. What unimaginable pain in her heart. Her sister Salome was there. Mary, the wife of Clopas, was there. I'm not surprised Mary Magdalene was there. She followed Jesus all of his ministry if there was one person in the Scripture who loved him, it was Mary Magdalene. She was there. John the disciple also risked his life. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, being there. That was his title for himself in his own gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was there. He risked his life to be there, especially as a male. He could have been identified as a follower of Jesus and had his own cross that day if someone had so chosen but in sheer courage, John was there. Now, I'm sure there were other disciples perhaps crouching at the edges of the crowd watching, but he was standing in the midst of the crowd at the foot of the cross.
Some naysayers and critics over the ages have said that Jesus as God never felt the pain of the cross because he was God. So God himself simply flicked off the switch of pain and pretended to go through it all and swooned in a fake death because he was God. He didn't have to go through that. But I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that as the Son of Man, Jesus felt it all. Jesus went through the pain. Jesus felt the agony. Jesus felt the blood draining from his body as he went through this punishment. Friends, God in the flesh felt every lash of the scourging. God in the flesh felt every prick of the crown of thorns. God in the flesh felt every blow of the hammer. God in the flesh felt every inch of the nails proceeding through his hands and his feet. He felt it all because that's the price of our sin on the Lamb of God. And yet, even in such pain, a pain that is beyond our comprehension, Jesus instructs John, take care of my mother. And John says, I took her home that very day to live with me. But I remind you, when he said, take care of my mother, I believe he was also saying, take care of my children. Take care of us. We were on his heart that day. Your life was on his heart that day. Our sin was on his shoulders that day. And literally, he was taking care of us that we might know him as our Lord and our Savior and our God and our King. He took care of us just as he took care of his mother. Look at John 19, verses 28 through 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. As we see those words, don't ever forget on the cross that Jesus was still very much in control. He never lost control, even at his own crucifixion. He chose the cross. He chose the nails. He chose to forgive us. And he chose the moment that he was going to die for our salvation. In the seconds before Jesus died on the cross, he said, I thirst. As it's prophesied in Psalm 69, verse 21. There's a prophecy in the Psalms about him being thirsty on the cross. And don't ever forget on that cross that Jesus still being very much in control. Soldiers lift up this sponge because he is thirsty and they give him some cheap vinegar wine. It's the wine that those soldiers carried along to get them through the day as they waited out the crucifixion process of these men. And they put it on a stick of hyssop on a sponge and lifted it up to his lips to wet his lips. And as they moistened Jesus' lips, in English, Jesus is translated as saying, it is finished But actually what he says from the cross in Greek is one word, tetelestai. And it actually means it is finished and it is forever finished. Tetelestai, forever finished, forever paid in full. 
It's a common word in his culture of the day. When you bought an item from a merchant and you paid your money and you got your change, the thing that the merchant would say to you is tetelestai. You've paid up. You're paid in full. You can take the merchandise and you can move on. You're paid now. Tetelestai. And Jesus said, the debt has been paid. Sin has been forgiven. Life is offered to anyone who will come to me. He made the full payment to forgive our sin. And he poured out his perfect blood to forgive our unrighteousness. One drop would have been sufficient. But he lost all the blood of his body that day to erase our sin. You know, in the Old Testament, when a sacrificial lamb back in the day before the cross, in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, when a lamb was slaughtered and a a lamb was given for the sin of Israel, the priest would say, your sin is covered. In other words, your sin has a band-aid on it. Psalm 32, verse 1. Let me read you that verse. Psalm 32, 1 says this, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So when a Passover lamb or a lamb of sacrifice would die, the priest would say, your sin is covered. God can't see it. It's been covered over in this sacrifice. But with Jesus dying on the cross, he did not cover our sin. He took it away. He took it from us. He delivered us from it. As it says in Psalm 103, he delivers us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. We will never see it again. When we stand before God in judgment with Jesus Christ as our Savior, he will never mention it again. It is gone from us. It is expunged from our record because it has been forgiven. Not covered, but forgiven. There's such a difference. This is the culmination of all the sacrifice system of the Old Testament as our sin is forgiven that day. Believers, do not play games at the cross. Jesus freed us, and Jesus purchased us, and it is Jesus alone that gives us salvation. He deserves not a part of me. He deserves not a part of you. He deserves all of us. He deserves our total surrender. He deserves our total life. He deserves our total service. He deserves our total worship. He deserves everything we can give him because he purchased us. We are literally bond slaves of his, purchased off of the the block of sin by the old rugged cross. So what I'm saying to you believers is we cannot play church. And we cannot play witness. We can't just say, I think I'll go to church when it suits my calendar. I think I'll worship when it's good for me. Worship is total surrender before a holy God. And however you choose to worship right now, be it in person or by streaming, FM signal, however it is, it's imperative that we fall before our God and say, Lord, thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you that all of my life belongs to you. I worship you because I love you. Not because you fit my calendar, because I love you and I surrender to you as my Lord. Don't play witness. Don't say, let somebody else talk about Jesus in public. Let somebody else walk for Jesus out there in the world. 
Let somebody else be courageous out there to stand on the Word of God. He calls every one of us, when we walk out of these doors, to take our stand for Him. He deserves it. He hung in shame and humiliation on the cross for us. We stand in courage for Him. Don't wait for somebody else to be the witness. Don't play a game with that. You're and I am the witness for Him this week to come. Don't play with what He gives you in material possessions. I'm not telling you how to give. That's between you and the Lord. But you give to Him in the way He deserves it. Don't play with Him in the talents that He's given you to serve Him. Don't you dare come in here and say, I think I'll let somebody else take my place. Service is for every one of us. That's the basis of the church that we're working and serving together with our talents and our calling. That ministry can be carried out to a lost and dying and hell-bound world. We are to be the ministers. Every single one of us. We're purchased with blood. And we're at His call and His command. And He is the reason we live. Don't play with Jesus. It's all or it's nothing. And that's the Word of God. He gave His all for us, and we give our all to Him. Today, will you, believer, join me in saying, Lord, thank you. My sin went to your cross that day. My forgiveness was purchased on your cross that day. I am forgiven, and Lord, my hand is on the plow. And I will not look back. How many of us today will recommit our lives to serving a Savior? Saying there's no looking back, there's no turning back, there's no going back. I'm going out and forward for you, Lord. How many of us today, here in person, streaming, will say, Lord, all I have is yours. I go for you. One last thing. If you are listening today here in this sanctuary or streaming with us, or out there in a parking lot by an FM signal, if you've never come to Jesus, and you don't know Him as your Savior, how can I say to you that the nails that held Him on the cross didn't really hold Him on the cross? It was His love for you that held Him on the cross. Pilate did not send Him to the cross. Soldiers did not keep Him on the cross. His love for you kept him on the cross that he would pay the debt in full of our sin. He laid down his life to raise you up to life. And if you've never come to him as Lord and Savior, this is the moment that you can say, Lord Jesus, I believe you did it for me. Don't put it off. Don't play a game with that. Don't play a game with your eternity. Today is the day to make it right. If you're streaming with us, connect to our website. Let us know that you've made that decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. We would love to pray for you. We would love to celebrate with you. But today, if you're here and you need to publicly make that your commitment to the Lord Jesus, today is the day to say, Lord, I believe you did it for me. You come. Church home, whatever you need, he meets us here. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, as I said in a sermon before this one, When I preach on the cross of Jesus, I never feel that I'm adequate. But I pray, Father, that you will use my words and fill in the blanks 
and fill in the spots that I didn't say enough and make the picture complete for every one of us who believe you to know what you gave to save us. May we never take it for granted. May we never play a game with our salvation, with our worship, with our talent, with our giving, with our commitment to you. I pray that brothers and sisters will join me today to simply rededicate our life saying, Lord Jesus, thank you. Too often I take it for granted. Too often I don't give it a second thought. But you died for me. Thank you, Lord. All I am and all I have is yours. If there's one person, Lord, today who has never received Jesus as Savior, this is the culmination of human history as we've studied it today where the Son of God laid his life down to pay for our sin. And he tells us that he is the way and the truth and the life and there is no other way to come to God the Father and to come to a heavenly home than through Jesus the Savior. I believe it with all of my heart. I believe it with every ounce of my soul. And I invite that one to simply come. If they're in a spot at home where they can get on their knees, to simply get on their knees and say, Lord Jesus, all I am is yours. I give you my sin. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you, Lord, as you adopt me as a son or a daughter, to give me eternal life. I pray that we won't play a game today, that we won't put it off today. But today is the day of salvation. I pray for that one who needs you. Here in person, out there on the stream somewhere around the world, right here in our parking lot. I pray decisions will be made today. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.